eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No three little birds, but another three points for spotless, perfect Ajax. Bad boy Benzema shoots the sheriff after facing justice. And Man City stir it up against PSG. No more Bob Marley puns, I promise. But Jonathan Johnson is with me. Heath Pierce will be joining us shortly. We're recapping all of Wednesday's Champions League match day five action. Kigo Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kigo Lasso Champions League match day five. Wednesday, before we begin, a little bit to deal with here. It was only after finishing yesterday's live recap that we realized, my goodness, after all that pressure, we passed 5,000 subscribers on youtube thank you so much everybody for being part of this family we really appreciate you please send in those questions those comments follow us on twitter kegolasso pod subscribe to the channel spread the word it's the best way for us to keep growing and giving you great free episodes like this and i said i would sing if we reach our goal but guess what i said it that when we reached a goal yesterday all right all right i'll sing a little bit how about i just say uh you know uh, let's go. I shot the sheriff. JJ. But I did not shoot the Benzer. <laughs> I'll stop right there. I, I, I promise. JJ, how's it going, buddy? Very, very good. Thanks. Although uh, not quite as good as I was 10 seconds ago before you started singing. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not your strong suit. <laughs> you know what, actually? You know what? Actually... You know what? You're, a, you're a fire dancer. <laughs> That's pretty much where we'll end it. Jonathan Johnson, good to have you, buddy. Heath Pierce hopefully will join us later. But let's begin with Manchester City 2-1 against Paris Saint-Germain. Not only do they confirm knockout stage qualification, but they top the group, which is a big deal when the seeding and, of course, the draw comes out for the knockout stages. 2-1 against PSG. First, before we begin, JJ, me and you were laughing about this. Jack Grealish, apparently, is not only a the British uh, record holder for uh, a transfer, but he's also uh, pretty good when it comes to the ticket office for Manchester City. He's giving some tickets away, selling some tickets. I guess the Etihad needs... Uh, <laughs> we're going to get killed by Man City fans. JJ, that was pretty funny, though. Yeah, it was. Uh, obviously, doesn't do the empty hat moniker uh, any favours. Uh, no, just... Honestly, it's just a very strange thing to do. I mean, I tried to imagine kind of how everyone might react if it was um, another, you know, 
top top player at a at a, at a big club. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, I'm I'm scratching my head. I've I've not seen anything like that for for a long long time. I mean, okay. I mean, I guess it was confirmation before we knew that Grealish had uh, failed his late fitness test. We knew that it was going to be touch and go for him. Uh, and I assume that those tickets would have been his family's otherwise. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, just a very uh, a very strange uh, strange vibe overall with that one. I mean, very nice. You're giving some tickets away, but you're kind of giving away the roster lineup before anything else. It's so weird. So weird. But anyway, regardless, let's talk about the action on the pitch. Manchester City wins 2-1. It was, uh, you tweeted it. I totally agree. It was one of those games where Man City in complete control, but it didn't matter because the moment PSG, Neymar, Messi clicked, you could sense some magic. And magic did happen. Indeed, actually, Kylian Mbappé, in his uh, 50th Champions League appearance, by the way, that's 22 years old and 339 days. Uh, the second youngest player to reach that milestone after Chet Fabregas, who did it in 22 and 331 days. But he opened the scoring. Um, and then, obviously, Man City, uh, with the possession, with the control, with the you know uber pressing, they managed to get that win. How did you see this game, uh, specifically from PSG's perspective? Uh, I mean, let, let's let's start with City quickly. Uh, thoroughly deserved the win. Uh, you know, very dominant from start to finish. Should have scored more than two goals. Uh, you know, I think they'll be kicking themselves uh, a little bit uh, in in terms of uh, you not being more not being more clinical. You know, we saw Gundogan hit the post in the first half. We saw a bunch of different PSG players uh, making saves on the line. So it was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a surprise that City ended up running out winners overall. What was a surprise, and in a bad way. Uh, was just how poor PSG were because we saw them really raise their game in the home match uh, in Paris. And this time it was, uh, you know, for want of a better word, it was cack from PSG. It was <laughs> it was very, very bad. Yeah. Um, I'm struggling to think of anything really positive to say in terms of the way the team was set up. Uh, obviously, all eyes would have been on Mauricio Pochettino. I, I struggle to comprehend how any club can be looking at what Pochettino is doing at the moment with PSG and actually you know, work out sort of what is his influence and what's not his influence. Because you know that when you get the ball to the likes of Lionel Messi, the likes of Mbappe, the likes of Neymar in, uh, you know, the, the the final third of the pitch, they're going to be able to cause opponents trouble, you know, whether it's Man City, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, an average opponent in Ligue 1, uh, you know, they're going to get chances and they're probably going to score goals every now and then. But the thing is, the rest of the team, that there was no discernible tactical setup whatsoever the midfield was was pretty much an afterthought um you know and I think Pochettino really led himself down there because there's a lot of speculation out there at the moment you know that he wants to go to United uh, he's waiting for them to knock on PSG's door and for the negotiations to start you know the perfect uh you know thing to bring United to the table would have been to put in a statement performance tonight get a statement result uh, and they looked like they were going to fluke that when Mbappe opened the scoring and then City ultimately got a deserved win. But I think that PSG, uh, you know, looked very, very poor uh, this evening. And I think a lot of uh, that is down to the fact that they weren't really sent out, uh, you know, with any real, uh, you know, game plan. Yeah, yeah. I think it definitely seemed like that where PSG were kind of just uh, working more on instinct as opposed to Man City, who clearly had a plan. Uh, you know, through the game. But if you're a Man City fan or a PSG fan, we would love to hear from you. Send us your comments. How did you see 
the game. Do you think that uh, Man City should have scored more? Do you think PSG and Pochettino is kind of this relationship that essentially is not going to work out? We will see how that goes. But, you know, also, you know, one more thing about this game, uh, JJ, you know, there were moments when the trio, right, uh, Eminem, as we speak, Messi, Mbappé, and, and Neymar were, were working together, and then Angel Di Maria came in later and, and, and kind of helped some things out. Was it the lineup that you thought when you uh, when you saw it first? Obviously it wasn't, but then again, you have to bear in mind that Verratti and Wijnaldum were ruled out quite late on, you know, yeah. uh, when we were talking, uh, you know, in the, in the hours uh, in the build-up to the match, we assumed that Verratti had been back because he obviously played against Nantes over the, over the weekend in Ligue 1. And we know, we've spoken about it so many times, how important he is, but also to lose Wijnaldum, who did so well uh, away at Leipzig. But, you know, also at the same time, I wasn't really that surprised because I've seen this happening so many times, uh, you know, with this PSG under Pochettino. And let's be honest as well, let's think back to the Leipzig match last time out. PSG were fortunate to get the draw there. Leipzig absolutely annihilated them in the early stages of the match. And once again, PSG were left uh, to feel very fortunate that their opponents were, uh, you know, not as sharp in front of goal as they perhaps should have been. So I think PSG, you know, in the situation they're in right now, having gone through in second place, you know, that it's a dead rubber there, the final game of the group stage, uh, you know, that's a massive weight taken off of their shoulders because if they'd gone into that final game against Club Brugge, uh, you know, knowing that there was still perhaps some chance that they could get pegged back, given the way that they performed in these last two matches and the way that they were held uh, in Belgium as well, it really wouldn't have surprised to see them put in another pedestrian performance. So I think PSG got really lucky here. And to be honest, at this stage, I don't really think it matters too much who is put out on the pitch because the team is just so top heavy. Uh, you know, when you don't have a functioning midfield, uh, which PSG don't when Verratti's not there, uh, you know, it's very difficult to, you know, for, for, for them to get that much fluidity going. Uh, one one person I will praise, I think, from this game who I think, uh, you know, does deserve to be singled out in a positive way uh, is Leandro Paredes coming back off of an injury, uh, you know, not being able to show what he can do uh, so far this season under Pochettino when others have been able to shine, like Idrissa Gay, uh, like Ander Herrera, you know, guys grabbing themselves some goals while Paredes has been on the on the touchlines. I thought he showed up, uh, you know, and, and, and did as well as could be expected. But, you know, when you're sort of in a midfield where, you know, kind of two-thirds of them are look like they're running in treacle most of the time, it's uh, it's very, uh, it's difficult to, to be able to change the match in the in the team's favour on your own. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting Christmas period, I think. And, uh, you know, I've said it from the very beginning, I think, uh, and you kind of uh, hinted it to it, PSG, really just just get to the knockout stages. And then regardless whether you win the group or you don't, you know, then you can maybe reset and reassemble. Whether that's with Mauricio Pochettino, we will wait and see. But at the, at this point, just because of the squad and to your point, the lack of fluidity, maybe what they need is to just confirm knockout stage qualification and then they can just focus on getting better and, and you know, moving up the table and, you know, uh, defending or at least getting it back. I'm sorry, uh, the league uh, title. All right, let's uh, let's move on here. Leipzig, by the way, a little too late, but my goodness, what a performance. Five nothing against Brugge, to your point doing a PSG a a favor here, but they were very impressive, uh, you know, definitely offensively and defensively, five and nothing away from home. Yeah, it's wild. You look at that uh, group makeup at the moment, you look at their stats, 13 goals scored, 13 against, a goal difference of of zero with four points. 
Yeah, it's not what Leipzig would have expected or would have hoped. But, you know, I think that now they've put themselves in a position where they're probably going to drop into the Europa League unless Brugge gets something in Paris, which, you know, is 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 not beyond the, the realms of possibility. Um, you know, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, Leipzig are in the... You know, in a position where they can now perhaps turn it around. You know, they they seem to need to be able to put their focus on the Bundesliga, given the way they've they've sort of slipped away uh, in the last couple of weeks. Had to come back and then you know are, are, are struggling in form once again. Uh, so you know, for me, it's um, you know I th- I think for Leipzig, whether or not they advance to the Europa League or not, they're just sort of in a, a sort of salvage situation in their season right now. Jesse Marsh obviously fighting for his future. Uh, you know, and if they can put in more performances like that, where they've got their key guys, uh, you know, like uh, Silva and uh, Kunku firing on all cylinders, then they're going to go places and, you know, positively as well and move up the table uh, and potentially move into uh, into the Europa League as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some good questions and comments there from everybody. Natalie, I believe you said uh, PSG's not winning this, not by a long shot. I mean, listen, I, I wouldn't discount anything, but yeah, at this moment in time, obviously, a lot needs to be done. But like I said, you know, the knockout stages is a blank canvas and it's, you know, it's do or die football. So to me, that's a different kind of storyline. And then Dan said, you know, to be fair, I had Man City high up in my power ranking. So losing 2-1 to City, it's not that detrimental. It's not, but when you still have that quality, and also to your point, JJ, PSG didn't look as prepared as Man City, and that can always be a problem. And by the way, Man City, very good defensively in the league, but in the Champions League, they've conceded a lot of goals. That's eight goals now in, in five games. So they are always a little bit open, definitely in the midweek action when it comes to the Champions League. So what, what do you make I of that? I think, though, as well, you kind of expect that when you've got the attacking prowess that PSG have, they're going to be able to hurt any Absolutely. team in European football. And City, as good as their defence can be, you know, they, they, they're going to have to recognise that sometimes you do come up against a team with brilliant attacking prowess like, uh, like PSG. But, uh, you know, it, it's very difficult to compare City and PSG because I feel that City right now, they're streets ahead of PSG in terms of identity, in terms of the way that they play. Oh, 100%. You know, Guardiola just has such a well-oiled machine there. And to be perfectly honest, I really had them pegged as the, the team that would win the Champions League last season. You know, no disrespect to the, the job that Thomas Tuchel did with Chelsea. Uh, you know, obviously on the day in that final, they were deserve, uh, deserved winners. But, you know, I think that the City really missed, uh, you know, their golden opportunity and they're going to have to work hard for the remainder of this season to get it back. But they're going about it the right way at the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, uh, hence Pep uh, scoring already 17 goals with Man City in the Champions League. I think he agrees with you. There was a chance rude, by the way. Pep gets nervous in Champions League. I don't know if nervous is the word. I think he sometimes overthinks things. Uh, that could be maybe due to nerves, but I don't know if it's nerves. I think he's been around the block too many times to get nervous. But he does overthink, which has happened before. All right, uh, let's talk Group D. Real Madrid. And as everybody pretty much predicted, including our very own Jimmy Conrad, you know, Sheriff, you know, they've had their moment in the sun. It's now to face reality as Real Madrid went 3 nothing. Talk to me just very quickly, JJ, because we did begin the day with Karim Benzema and, uh, you know, a a very important verdict that came out in terms of this uh, sex tape scandal or whatever it is. It's insane. What's the latest with that and what, what, what did the verdict end up happening? Yeah, so Benzema has basically been found guilty um, of playing a part in the attempted blackmail uh, of Matthew Valbuena. Uh, Basically him 
advising Valbuena when they were uh, with the French national team together um, has basically been considered, uh, you know, sort of tampering or getting involved with uh, with, with this issue. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, Benzema has now been handed a one-year uh, suspended jail sentence. So that, so that means that if he reoffends uh, in some way in the in the future, then he will go directly to prison for a year because he has this hanging over him. There's a seventy-five thousand euro fine uh, on top of as well. His lawyer, as lawyer, has already said uh, that they will appeal, uh, and he's confident that uh, he'll be completely exonerated upon appeal. But for the moment, you know, Benzema obviously has to be on his best behaviour because of this. Uh, but you've already had uh, the French Football Federation president Noël Legrette coming out and saying that. It's not going to cost Benzema his place in the French national team. Basically, it's up to Didier Deschamps. Didier Deschamps wants Benzema to be part of the French uh, team. So there, there's no chance that this verdict uh, will now re, you know, cost Benzema his place in the uh, with Le Bleu once again. Yeah, it's a proverbial slap on the wrist. Basically, don't do it again, etc. And seventy-five thousand. I mean, that's like what his grocery shopping money for a week. Like, I think uh, I don't think he has to worry too much about. Uh, I, think, that. I think he. Uh, I, th- I think he keeps that in his uh, pajama pocket <laughs> when he goes out to get some groceries. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the bottom of the sofa when he can't find any money. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, listen. Well, Real Madrid does win. 3-0. David Alaba scores uh, Madrid's first Champions League goal from a direct free kick since 2018, JJ. 2018, Isco against Roma was the last time they did that. But the battle for first place goes right down to the wire because Inter Milan won 2-0 against Shakhtar. So Real Madrid against Inter Milan, that has to be the tastiest of matches in the final day of the group stages. Yeah, I mean, it does. Uh, it, it does look interesting. I'm I'm happy for Sheriff in the way that this has worked out because, yeah, uh, you know, they took a bit of a beating, but also at the same time, you know, they're already guaranteed to continue their European adventure and go into the Europa League. So, yeah, you know, that's that's quite heartwarming. I think we discussed it in the preview pod. So disappointed with Shakhtar Donetsk this season. One goal scored in five matches. Uh, honestly, it's uh, you know they they might as well have not even bothered turning up. But no, that that does it. It, it is really um, really fascinating to to see that Real into matchup coming into the final day. It keeps things interesting in terms of who finishes top, who finishes second. Uh, you know, we spoke a bit about it uh, earlier with uh, City and PSG. It doesn't really matter as long as you get yourself into the knockout phase. So that now both of these teams are already guaranteed that you know perhaps they'll mix things up a bit, experiment, rotate. Uh, you know, put a bit of focus on what's going on domestically, and we'll actually see. Uh, you know, the the two teams go at it without feeling as much pressure, which you know might create you know quite an attractive match at the end because it is still two very good teams with with a lot of very good players on uh, on on display. Absolutely, and it's a it's a classic game. It's one of those historically good matches. All right, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast, Spotify. Stitcher, we're taking a break. Uh, if you're watching this live on YouTube, I literally say we're going to take a break and then we literally come back. So don't go anywhere. Don't even blink because Kigo Lasso, Champions League Wednesday, match day five. Recap, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hey, everybody. Told you we would be back if you're watching live. And here we are. Don't be shy. Get into that comment section. Throw in a comment. Ask a question about anything with the Champions League, to be honest. There's a lot to discuss, by the way, including, and by the way, Heath Pierce should be joining very soon. But Jonathan Johnson, Atletico Madrid, lose to AC Milan. First of all, there's a great story here from AC Milan perspective. Uh, the scorer, Junior Messias, he went from Serie C two years ago, Gozano that was, all the way to Milan and scoring the winning goal against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. A Brazilian, I believe, immigrating to Italy. Just an amazing Amazing storyline, but so there's much to talk about from that perspective. But JJ, Atletico Madrid have not won a game at the Wanda Metropolitano in the Champions League this season. It's just so disappointing from Diego Simeone's side. Yeah, it is hugely disappointing. And uh, you know, I remember we were doing the the preview for this the other day, and uh, you know, we were we were debating whether you know Atleti would be able to get it done. You know, whether they'd be able to scrape the draw. I think I predicted a draw for this one, mm. but uh, I I was. Uh, you know, I, was, I wasn't completely down on AC Milan's chances. And I'm, you know, so I'm happy for them that they can go into the final round of games uh, and at least be able to, you know, potentially fight for, you know, for advancing. Because if you, you look at the way that that is set up, it is really intriguing now for this final round of games because anyone can go through, but anyone can also just drop out and just completely have their European adventure ended. You know, Atleti now could pay the the maximum penalty uh, you know, for not making the most of that game uh, and at least getting a draw because they could end up, you know, completely dropping out if they lose to Porto. But AC Milan, you know, if they manage to beat Liverpool, Liverpool who've won all of their games so far, you know, you can't say that, you know, suddenly they haven't merited, uh, you know, at least uh, continuing into into the Europa League. But you, you'd imagine that a win over Liverpool would probably see them uh, you know, maybe even sneak into the the knockout phase of the Champions League. It's it, it's really finely poised. But yeah, I was I was stunned uh, really by uh, by Atleti, and it's it's not been a good season for them so far. You know, they're they're having a tough time. You know, maybe Diego Simeone struggling to 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 remotivate them uh, after you know the the success of last season. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we have a call to action here, and as we do it, I want to include our friend. Heath Pierce HP is in the house. Heath, thank you so much for being here. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. Doing, How are you guys doing? We're good. Yeah, We're good, good, thanks. By the way, uh, Jonathan Johnson, uh, it's late in Paris for JJ. So anytime 
you feel like bowing out, we forgive you, JJ. It's been a long day for Jonathan Johnson. So that's fine. Now that I have my West Coast reinforcements, uh, I don't want to keep him too long. But before he goes, I have a call to action for everybody watching uh, and listening as well. You can send a, a tweet if you if you hear this later on. But which team do you think, guys, is following Liverpool out of Group B? It's very, very tight. Of course, AC Milan play Liverpool in the final day and Porto face Atleti. Porto is leading by a point. Anything can happen in the final day. So I would love for everybody to just give me that comment. Maybe just give me the team. Just write down the team. Is it Porto, Milan, Atleti? Could be... You know what? I'm I'm feeling feeling mischievous. I'm going to say that Milan win against Liverpool. A big night at the San Siro. And I'm going to say that Porto, Atleti is a draw. (laughs) I like it. How about you, Heath? Oh wow! I mean, I like the 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 Milan narrative. I think for me, the the interesting thing about that is we saw Inter Milan last year drop out of this, and that be the thing that they went on their run. We're seeing Napoli right now also in Europa League uh, losing that. It, it, you know, again managing a schedule with not being the deepest of rosters. We've seen AC Milan get tested already this season in terms of rotation at the at the front line and strikers available uh, for the team. Uh, but yeah, I think this is this is one wide. I'd love to see AC Milan really step back up. They haven't been known for being successful in Europe in recent years or even domestically. So this would be a, a huge sign for them to be able to get a win, uh, as as JJ mentioned, and, and get through to the knockout rounds. Absolutely. I mean, to JJ's point, I mean, Milan beating Liverpool, it's it's not that in, insane given, you know, the fact that Liverpool can really just focus so much on on everything else, including the league, especially since they already are in the knockout stages, but uh, uh, <laughs> are you having a bad hair day, Heath Pierce, or is that just? Uh, I, oh, I, I just because I just because I wear Why a hat. I, no one, no one says it to yeah. you, Luis. When you when you wear a hat, no one asks well, you that. You know what I mean? Well, I have a little less hair than you, Heath Pierce, but <laughs> my headphones went off. But are you having a, a bad hair day? Let me pick up my headphones. Are you keep going? I just, I just didn't, I just didn't do my hair. If that's considered uh, having a bad hair day, then yes, I guess I am having a bad hair day. Uh, so yeah, it was easier to. Sometimes it's just easier to throw on a hat, leave my little neck beard, and just look a little unkempt heading into uh, this Thanksgiving uh, weekend. You know? Yeah, you know what? It's so mean. How about you say, Heath? Hey, nice hat. How about that? We begin with that because you don't know. It could be a, a very good hair day, but you just want a nice hat. Anyway, Group yeah, B match day yeah. six is gonna be awesome. Says Kellen. I agree. Mauricio, AC Milan go through. They were unlucky in the first few matches. They'll play a weak Liverpool in the final game. I think I agree with you. JJ, you agree, right? Because you said a victory for AC Milan. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I know from speaking to Simon Kjaer how, uh, how important it is to, to Milan. And I think they'll look at the chances that they've had so far in this group stage that have been kicking themselves about one or two results. This has really given them the shot in the arm that they need. And I, th- I think that they'll do it against Liverpool. But I think that Liverpool uh, will rotate as well, which obviously won't go down that well with Simeone because he was already griping before the game uh, about how he didn't expect Liverpool to really uh, go at it and do them any favours. Oops. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 and you know one of the things I was talking about with with uh, or thinking about before I was jumping on with you guys is sort of the positioning as you guys were talking about with Simeone and what that means for a year like this. At what point? And he's one of the few managers we've seen stick around for a long time and be part of a project that's had some incredible successes. But at what point reaches your exhaustion point? And we see this coaching carousel happening everywhere else. Is there not an, a, another attractive place for him to challenge himself to do it again? Obviously, 
we're in the midst of of, of some chaos in in La Liga, so there is opportunities that he might or the opportunities might look greater for uh, domestically for for Atletico Madrid than than usual. But I I start to look at this and go, man, this system. How long would it last? Where would this? Where where could his style of play fit elsewhere? And I you know when I'm looking Manchester at Manchester United, United and, he's and here. <laughs> When I'm thinking about PSG, I know you would look at him and say, hey, you know, he's a Serie A manager. But that management, when we, when we saw that shift go to Mourinho in, at Chelsea, it can really disrupt other leagues and, and, and have a huge impact if you can get a buy-in. So I just wonder at what point is there an exhaustion point? I don't know if you, if you guys have a take on that or where, when you think. How many more years can you do this for as a system that is rewarded only in results? It's not rewarded in the style of play or the way that we, we see attractive football anymore. And it's just something different, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally take your points, and I think you know at this stage, you know, kind of Simeone is like an institution where, with Atletico yeah. Madrid, and I think if there's going to be a change, it will have to be on his terms. He'll have to feel like, right, guys, I've taken, I've taken us as far as we can go. Uh, you know, I I can't do anything more. And uh, somebody else sure. is in place but as what, well. Like, I just, like, but what more can what, what more can you do at there? You know, I mean, in terms no, of it's okay, you bring, you bring point, back. It's to JJ's point, though. Like, true. It's uh, how far can you take? But it would be down to Simeone, I think. I think it just. I mean, to be honest, yeah, I I completely agree. I think we're we're sort of reach, we're seeing that ceiling be reached now. You know, I don't think we're going to be seeing an Atletico Madrid going all the way to the Champions League final that we saw years ago. I think those days are gone. Um, you know, and I think you know, with all due respect, and it, it was a fantastic achievement. You know. Winning the occasional La Liga title is probably the best that that, that Atletico are going to. But it, it's as good as it can get, is what I'm trying to say already. Um, and I think now it's it's really just up to Simeone. It depends on whether Simeone really feels like he wants uh, another challenge. Uh, you know, whether I don't know, maybe, maybe he wants to branch out into international management. Maybe he sees an opportunity to open up somewhere. Maybe he just wants a break after you know however many consecutive seasons it is that he's done now. Steve uh, Bruce know, to think... Atletico Madrid. <laughs> 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 oh, crazier things have happened. Hey, listen, Peter Schmeichel wants Steve Bruce at Manchester United. Yeah. Why not we uh... <laughs> just insert insert Steve Bruce? That should be like the uh, the uh, like example. You know when you, when you have credit does, card commercials does, does and it says like even exist in Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It will soon. Uh, Anyway, we do have to mention, though, the Liverpool win against Porto. Thiago Alcantara scored an absolute beauty in that one. Of course, Mohamed Salah as well. So Liverpool just keep on rolling, by the way. They are perfect, and they should feel very good. So really, it's just about keeping that momentum. Uh, JJ, Heath and I were talking about our, our power rankings last night. I would love to hear yours if you had, like, four. I mean, I, I, Heath, were, were, was ours the same? I, I mean, we were going through uh, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, Bayern Munich. That kind of uh, storyline there. Yeah, I think by the end I had Bayern Munich higher up on that list only because, again, Liverpool for fear of of what could happen. But based on the current time, time I was, you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, um, and then, and then um, Man, Man City, City, Bayern Munich. But, uh, you know, JJ, I do have to preface this by saying that Luis tried to do his power rankings in no particular order, which is not a thing uh, for a power <laughs> it was rankings. An ask, uh, it was an asterisk you know, to power. Uh, it was, it was, he it was, said, here's my, here's my power rankings, the four in no particular order. I'm like, you can't do that. So we need, to, we need, we need you. And again, for everybody who, who didn't see it yesterday, would love for them to give their, their – or didn't see yeah. or listen to the show yesterday, give their power rankings. But what's your top and four, JJ? Yeah, and please like and comment and subscribe. And we want to hear your power rankings. But JJ, give me yours. 
I mean, mine, I think, would have to have Liverpool at the top right now, given their form. Um, and given the performance uh, of City against uh, against a PSG, uh, I mean, okay, uh, PSG with many question marks around it, but still, uh, you know, very impressive in this style of wit, uh, in the style of victory. Uh, the players who are still out, I, I'd put City second. Um, I wouldn't put Chelsea third. I'm, I mean, I might, I, I might well be tempted to to agree with you with Bayern and have Bayern up there in third, um, and Chelsea in fourth. But the the other thing we that I will a- say is. I expect it all to have changed by January. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I will say this. I, I will say this, though, JJ. There was an argument of saying, uh, and I agree, it's a little bit snobbish for us not to be having a conversation about Ajax right now and, and how they would fit in, into Europe. Not being, you know, there was an argument that they shouldn't be a Cinderella run if they go deep because of just the quality oh, they, and form they, of their they, team they, right they, now. They'd be fifth for sure. Yeah. Well, listen. Unfortunately, the thing with Chelsea, the defending champions, <laughs> Yeah, well, listen, the thing about Ajax is, and I replied to it on Twitter about this, and it's good that you bring it up. It's that I am the biggest Ajax fan. There's two problems for me. One is I need to see the strength of competition a little bit, with all due respect to their group in the Champions League. At least we've seen Liverpool face Eurasi Milan's, even Porto has been very good, Atleti, even though they have disappointments, they, they they are better teams Man City against PSG, of course, Chelsea, Juventus. Ajax is amazing. They're amazing. I just want to see the kind of quality that they can face in the Champions League. And with that, just because the Eredivisie to me obviously is not as strong as those other leagues, I just want to see that. But to your point, it could change in January depending on the knockouts. I'm taking nothing away from Ajax. I just think that when I'm thinking about my power rankings, I have those four above them. Either of you can jump to that one. I, I mean, JJ, if you had a comment about Ajax. Yeah, I mean, I don't, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. And I think Ajax have been fantastic value. Probably one of the most enjoyable teams, if not the most enjoyable Absolutely. to watch so far this group stage. And it brings back all the good memories from a couple of seasons ago, you know, when they were going to places like Real Madrid, getting these crazy results in the knockout phase, uh, you know, and they were everybody's darlings. And, you know, hopefully there's going to be more good times to come for them. Uh, like I said uh, a couple of minutes ago, you know, Ajax would probably be in that top five if the, if we were talking about uh, extending uh, or opening up those rankings a, a little bit more. Uh, it's just, for me, it's hard to put them above uh, the defending champions of Europe, especially when you've got, you know, Thomas Tuchel, you know, getting them to to crank out the results most of the time and then blowing away uh, a very mediocre Juventus side who I think uh, have been quite flattered by the way the group stages have gone, to be honest. Yeah, Pete, before well, you to, jump I, for a second, yeah. uh, I just a quick note about Ajax. Did win today 2-1. Uh, Sebastian Haller is the first player in Champions League history to score nine goals in his first five appearances. So a mention for Haller there, by the way. Go ahead, Heath. Yeah, that was actually my, my point was that Haller is, I think, level or or within a goal of Lewandowski, who everybody's talking about. Look at his form right now in the Champions League. He's got to win the golden boot based on, you know, domestic and, and Champions League form. And you have a guy like this. And oddly enough, like you mentioned, JJ, you go back a couple of years ago when they were on this deep run, they they lost a number of those players, sold a number of those players on. They've obviously spent a lot of money on Heller, which people were questioning or had an eyebrow up. They're obviously one of the best scouting networks in the world. But to see them now with a new team, that actually doesn't feel as young as Ajax usually do, where you have the preface like you do with a Leipzig or whatever, where you go, well, they're young stars, but ultimately they meet a, a, a giant that takes them down. That I look at this Ajax side and think, 
they've got enough experience players coming back home again, you know, older players. They have a mix of obviously some of these young super superstars as well, that maybe there's a little magic in there that could be a contender. And, and like, like we, like I've mentioned yesterday, not considered a Cinderella run if they were to go to a semifinal or even potentially reach a final. Yeah, Tadej Taglafico, but you also have uh, Dorami and Neres, uh, Klazen. Like, you know, it's a really nicely balanced squad. Uh, Jonathan Johnson is saying goodbye to us. It's too late for him. In fact, he needs his beauty sleep. <laughs> Jonathan Johnson, thank you so much for, for being here, buddy. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Pleasure as always. Yeah, just one uh, last thought on that. I, I totally agree. I think that the balance that IX have right now is 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 you know, almost perfect. The other thing that I'd say about it as well is the older guys in the squad, they're not really veterans. They're guys who are still kind of in their prime, still with something to give, still with that hunger, that motivation. Uh, and that makes a huge, huge difference. Because if you've just got some guys who are just there to sort of pass on the wisdom of like 10, 20 years in the game, they can't help out as much on the pitch as a guy who's really in peak form like Tadic, you know, both for club and country with Serbia reaching the World Cup as well. Uh, you know, and I think that that is a really, really key element for 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 this Ajax side. But anyway, been a pleasure being with you guys, and uh, take care and speak soon. Thank you, hey, JJ. JJ. Wait, 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 wait. Before JJ goes, this <laughs> is completely irrelevant, JJ. But I found my my mom came down the other day, and she brought some old collector cards. And you've got a funny accent, so you must know who these people are. I'm going to show you their face real quick, and I need you to tell me who they are. Okay, they're old old players cards. Who is that? Yeah, is that, that a is. Uh, it, you know, I'm, it. I'm tempted you know, to say Swindon. Know. Yeah, is that Swindon shirt of some sort? It looks like Nicky Buck so far away. That is Alec McLeish. And now oh, I got one goodness. more. Oh, I got man. one more. Oh, this is really Aberdeen. If you're yeah. not watching, by the way, and you're listening, uh, oh man, wait, hold up. Oh, that's Ali McCoy. Yeah, that's Ali McCoy. Yeah, there it is. Ali McCoy. Yeah, yeah. There. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I couldn't help while we still had you. I, they were sitting on my desk. And I was like, I got to show them because these are really cool. I was going through. My mom's like getting rid of stuff. So I'm like, we're going to throw this out. But these were these were part of the collection. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, that's to be able right. to, that takes uh, me back to uh, days leafing through my brother's uh, sticker, sticker album collections from uh, yesteryear. I love it. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Thank you so much, JJ. Have a good night, my friend, and we will see you next time, buddy. Thank you. That's Jonathan Johnson, John underscore Le Gossip on Twitter. By the way, our producer, Dos Norris, wanted to remind that, you know, our intro had a lot of Bob Marley quotes, and I began with three little birds not allowed for Ajax, and that's because uh, UEFA right now is not allowing any logos on shirts, and there's three tiny little birds at the back of Ajax's amazing shirt, and they're not allowing it. They're basically, UEFA being NFL-ish right here, he fears, I think. It's like, yeah. come on, man. Come on, man. Allow yeah. them. It's ridiculous, right? Let them. For the brand. Let them do it. You know, it's not, uh, I do, I, I can understand on some levels not wanting to set a precedent because, you know, we, we've seen this with Red Bull and we've seen other uh, type of things where skirting around the rules and transparency and things like that. I, I get that. But man, Ajax, like, I could probably get Demarcus Beasley to say how cool Ajax is. And he spent uh, years at PSV Eindhoven going to the semifinals yeah. of a Champions League. They're just a cool club, Amsterdam, a cool city. So come on, you know, bend the rules for him a little bit. Everybody's bend chilling. Bend the rules, man. Come on now. All right, we're moving uh, to Group C, by the way. And Sporting Lisbon needed a plus two goal differential against Borussia Dortmund. And that they did, by the way. 3-1 um, despite a late goal. From Malin uh, for Dortmund, Heath Pierce, no Erling Haaland in the Champions League knockout stages. No Erling Haaland 
in the World Cup, neither. It's it's just uh, it's kind of annoying. How do you make uh, no Dortmund? What what do you make of that? Yeah, it's uh, it's weird to see a team like Dortmund with the youthful building of a roster deal with so much injury concerns, right? It's you usually don't have that in these younger squads because you have younger players, because you have this rotation of players. You j- tend to not see a number of players out, but this is a depleted Dortmund side that was just outmatched. They it's odd because in the league they're still keeping pace. I think they're within a point now of 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 uh Bayern Munich in the league, but this is one that's gotta hurt. Now, do I think that opens up an opportunity for them to focus on on the league? Yes. Again, we've talked about this before. No player looks at a loss like this and goes into the locker room and goes, well, now we, I guess the good thing is, is we only have one thing to focus on where it's like, no, you know, if you're a Dortmund, your odds of winning the champions league aren't high, right? You know that you're probably going to be outmatched, but you want to challenge yourself against the best in Europe. You want that respect of saying, you know, but people, especially with American mentality are used to, we're used to winners, right? But when you look at just the way things work in Europe, it's more, it's more like uh, some American sports are where it's, you know, teams fall short of that. doesn't mean they're not successful. And I think Dortmund's a team that prides themselves in their ability to compete with others. But to not have Holland in this is, is, and in the World Cup is, is a shame because obviously this is one of the things that I was most excited about. Everybody was talking about getting into the new year, Holland being fit again. be great to see him on the biggest stage knowing that he is – uh, Winfit, one of the best strikers in the world already at his age, but um, unfortunately they weren't able to do that, and they're dealing with so many injury issues that I just wonder where where Dortmund goes from here, or if they even go into the transfer window thinking like we might need a little bit of help. Yeah, no, absolutely, and we do a storylines to look out for in 2022 at the end of the year, and that's definitely going to be one uh, taking it from one way or another. By the way, without Erling Haaland, Borussia Dortmund have managed just six goals in five Champions League matches compared to 20 in 12 with him in the side. Uh, you know, that's 1.7 goals since his debut for the club in February 2020. That's how important Erling Haaland is. And surely, surely that is it for Erling Haaland in the Champions League with Borussia Dortmund, I would imagine. he hey. Luis, do you think that this changes a valuation for him, knowing that he's been out, knowing you're not getting more games? Do you think that there's going to be teams of saying, well, I mean, it's a team sport. He can't control that. But do you think maybe this cools the 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 transfer window or, or fee? Or do you think this is still just like, yeah, but he's still super young. The results of the team or the fact that we won't see him in the spring in Champions League is not going to change that. Maybe. It's a good question, but I actually think there's another reason for it, and it's because other players are coming into frame, like Dusan Blaovic, who can be available for 70 million euros and 21 years old. Obviously, Erling Haaland is incredible, but we have Blaovic, Blaovic, by the way, who's doing ridiculous things with Fiorentina. So maybe the competition pool during a time when Erling Haaland is out is now getting a little bit fuller. And to your point, you know, him being out and, you know, clubs can maybe look at different options right now. I don't, you know, nobody denies how incredible Erling Haaland is. I just think when a club is looking at where they can find the value for their buck, they don't all have to come running to the Norwegian star. There's plenty of of attacking talent kind of all over the place, really. Yeah, there's a lot of there. It mixes it up. And my question is whether or not that increase that increase of the pool means teams look elsewhere for a different match of value or if that pool in itself, knowing that you could get that for 70 million starts to level things out a little bit to saying, yeah, but for half 
or yeah. less than half or whatever it's going it to cost depends. you. We get, we get I, this guy. I guess, it, um, I, guess yeah. I guess it depends what club you, you are, right? If you're uh if you're Manchester City, you're you're thinking to yourself, well, we got A, B, and C. If you're like what? Um even Real Madrid, by the way, who obviously have Kylian Mbappé in their sights. It's all about the target that you have, but it's a really good question because Haaland being out for this long and showing just, but then again, showing how much a club needs him when he's fit will make a lot of people think, uh, you know, so it'll be an interesting 2022. There's a lot of players that are going to be available. That's what was, I can't remember. And maybe, maybe you don't remember either Luis and maybe Des could, can look it up, but what, what was the, what was the injury and why, why is it this long? Was it something major? It seems, I mean, this is a multi-month uh, injury to 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 Holland that I that when I again think about the risk to reward I'm going back to American sports thinking about the NFL and and like no player no matter what your injury is this, and this is the, the 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 harsh reality you could lose one percent of what you with every injury you're losing something that you cannot get back you can get back to a high level but you are still losing something whether mental or physical that makes um that that makes you not the same player again you might not ever see that but it, but it is the reality. You can't just keep getting uh, injuries. And I wonder how that affects teams and how they view him as well. Now, we've seen every player go through these injuries. But I'm just thinking about, like, if I'm, if I'm Man City or I'm Barcelona or I'm Real Madrid, uh, okay, hip flexor strain. I had one of those. Those suck. Yeah, no, I was going um, to answer it. I believe that the, the original diagnosis was a hip flexor strain. But, you know, it just uh, – that wasn't – not only was it not going away, it was getting worse. I think – I guess when you're his frame and that mobile, it can be, I mean, you just said it, you've suffered from it. Right. And when you're that big as Erling Allen, they can, I mean, you, you're, you're restricted so much from a mobility perspective. It's, it's just tough. It's very difficult. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's interesting. And I, I had that my first week of college. I went into preseason, strained my hip flexors and I was like, okay, well I'm out. And, and it, it makes it where you can't even barely walk. And then I had that also when I, about three or four months into being, uh, with with Hansa Rostock in the Bundesliga, I had the same sort of thing, and that put me out a longer period, uh, just because of the nature of you know your body. They say the world's best athletes aren't best athletes; they're the best compensators because when you have things, your body has to constantly rebalance and retinker itself. Uh, and he's a player that obviously is such a machine and so powerful that it actually worries people. We see this again in other sports where they go, "Well, he's built so perfectly that how could like." His body is has to function at such an elite level to do what he does and move at the pace that he does and cut and dribble and shoot and do all the things that he does better than everybody and more powerful than anybody that you worry about, you know, the, the pounding that his body's taking and can it recover from that? Yeah, and his father said a few days ago, by the way, if he gets a couple of games before Christmas, that will be uh, a bonus, but even that's uncertain. So yeah. expect maybe that we won't see more Haaland in 2021 but the storyline for him will continue in 2022 um it's good to talk right. about him by the way it's good to talk about him we haven't talked about him in a while which sucks at he's least, my favorite he's everyone's favorite player to talk about at least we're having a conversation about Haaland, whether he's on the pitch yeah. or if he isn't um well listen that basically you weren't here for the beginning of this uh, heath pierce so i would love to hear just your quick thoughts on uh manchester city against psg winning 2-1 Man City pretty much in complete control. Obviously, PSG opened the scoring, killing Mbappé, but you you knew that P Man City were going to come back guns blazing. And, they, you know, Guardiola's system has a system, has an identity. And in many ways, PSG, I mean, I didn't say this to JJ, but it, it seemed to me that Pochettino was thinking elsewhere in this game. How did you see it? 
I mean, there's certainly some uh, speculation to that. And, and, and uh, I wonder what, what he's actually saying versus what he's actually saying, uh, what he means versus what he's saying. But this is one where you, you just see city are just so fluid in their movements that you always, that you can tell on a day like this, they're going to score. You can tell on a day like this, that they're going to keep creating moments because as PSG were sitting in their blocks, they struggled to figure out how are we going to do this? Now, I thought early on uh, uh, PSG did a decent job of baiting. You know, teams were sort of filling each other out, like who's going to sit the deepest, who's going to release too many players, who's going to send one too many players forward. But now we've got this one-two punch where we can get down to the field and create chances. And and again, seeing Mbappe, seeing Messi, they had a little bit of fluid movement with with Neymar. And I was like, well, you're constantly at a, a at this vulnerability of sending too many players forward, not bringing these attacks to a conclusion, not creating bonafide goal scoring opportunities right it's one thing when you keep possession with city which we know they'll possess you to death it's another thing to threaten a team where now that team has to pull another defender back to where now it's possession but as they go into possession you can see this ramp up and flow and rhythm where they see their chance and they go one two three four passes and they bring it to to an end as opposed to just possession for possession's sake and when city are doing that they're really really hard uh to stop they're really hard to beat and eventually they're going to get their goal and it forces teams to, like a PSG especially, to, to not be able to cheat with three players forward because eventually one has to go back because of the fact that they're creating these numerical advantages that are leading to chances as opposed to just being like, yeah, if we sit in our block, shift side to side, City's not going to do anything. Because on some days, they don't have that rhythm. But on a day like this, man, you can just see the, see the difference in that. And, and, and for PSG, it was just, it was just too much on the, in this one. Well, I mean, I, I, I haven't heard your thoughts on this either, but that's sort of my take from this game. No, it was exactly the same. The only thing that I was going to add was I was actually more impressed with uh, Man City's work off the ball. Like, I felt like sometimes Bernardo Silva, there were two of them. It was amazing. I mean, he's we know how good he is with the ball creatively, but my goodness, what a player. I mean, we were having a few discussions between him and Joe Cancelo for Man City's player of the season so far. It's it's amazing how many tricks up their sleeves they have. But when they do the work off the ball, that's when you really know that Man City are on it. That, that to me is more. And that's actually a Guardiola obsession. People think that it, he loves possession and it's only possession. He actually, his biggest focus is what do you do the moment you lose the ball? Yeah. And you transition, saw it today. Transition game. Yeah, the transition yeah. game is, is, is the thing that he is best. And I think in order to do that, you are constantly recruiting players that you know can work in the transition game because it's not about having the ball. Yes, they're, they're, they're a world-class team. They have some of the best players in the world. They're going to be good at keeping the ball. But it's yeah. more of teams can defend that when there's not a danger. And then, like I said, when you bring those attacks to something or create chances, it starts to pull people apart. And then when that doesn't work, the reaction time and the reaction time of multiple players to pounce on them. We saw this peak Barcelona. I think, what, what do they say? Press for five seconds or something like that after losing the ball and and the amount of goals you can score yep. or... or transition games that you win yep, from uh, minus Michels that, that, to Johan Cruyff to Guardiola <laughs> again. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. That's exactly. So as soon as that ball pops up, you're in transition. You don't allow them to breathe. You don't allow them to break those first lines of pressure. Cause it takes about three, four passes to get out to the other side. If you yeah, can pounce and you on don't, that and keep that chaos. Yeah. And you don't press the ball. You press the space where the ball is going as well. So that, so then you literally have nothing. It's intoxicating. It's amazing. Here's another thing that's amazing. I wanted to bring up to you. We talked about it with Jonathan Johnson. But Jack Grealish, uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern, was selling some tickets, Heath Pierce, 
He was, uh, you know, breaking the British record transfer fee, but he's also working for Man City's ticket office. And I was just wondering, you know, as a former player, have you ever been stuck with tickets before a game? And I mean, there wasn't Twitter back in the day for you, but did you uh, did you try and uh, flog them off? I mean, this is pretty, you know, trying to get it. There's, there's one way to get the Etihad packed, and this is one way, I guess, to, to do it. Did you Did you ever have to do this? It's funny because in the U.S. sports market, we are constantly trying to the marketing. The marketing generation of sports in the U.S. is far more advanced than marketing in Europe because you don't need to sell many tickets to Dortmund because they're all sold. You're talking about history. You're talking about season ticket holder. It's hard to get a ticket in most of these places, right? But in the yeah. U.S., built around entertainment. It's different in how you market. So it's much more common to have a player be like, I got four tickets. I, you know, I, uh, one of the last uh, LAFC broadcasts that I did, there was a number of players that were giving away tickets. There was the broadcast team. They were giving away tickets and doing sort of giveaways and things like that that are interacting. There's much more of this interface with fans. And I know Europe is getting younger. We see Raheem Sterling. We see uh, Rashford. We see these guys interact more with fans online, social media. Obviously, a lot of that is in, in, res in response to, to, negativity that exists and racism that exists, but we're seeing this wall or this gap between fans and the players starting to decrease. But in the U S that's always been there across the sports. And so I had tons of opportunities to where they'd be like, Hey man, you mind doing this giveaway? We're a little light on attendance or, or for me just to engage with fans to have like, Hey, I got 10 tickets or I got 16 tickets or I got four tickets to a big game or a big match. And I'm going to hawk them off on somebody that I think would mean a lot to, and it gives you an opportunity to interact with fans. And like that alone, it, it's, it seems so foreign there. But that alone is so cool and so important for Jack Grealish as a, as, a, as a person to humanize him, to connect him more with people, to be like, oh, man, this guy's on social media. And now he's just hawking out these tickets and he's going to have to respond on social to somebody. And I'm sure somebody else handled all of that at that point. But it was still pretty cool to, to, to see and, and definitely a, a good note that I think players should do more of because – because, you know, they don't need bigger social following, so they don't do, really need to do a giveaway. They don't need the fans for their own success because they're at the top of the game. But there are certain ways that I think you can win, a, win people for life. It's like when you respond to people on Twitter that are hating you, they, turn to turn, they, they, turn to, they tend to turn quickly and become your friend and fan <laughs> if you just respond. Uh, yeah. And so I think humanizing that experience is a really cool thing, so. No, absolutely. I'm just making fun of the fact that the Etihad needs uh, all the help it, it can get. <laughs> Sorry, Ari Castillo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm, I'm still a bitter Villa fan that, you know, that he left, by the way. Uh, but anyway, yeah. that, my friends, is the end of our coverage for Champions League match day five. Thank you so much for tuning in. And Heath Pierce and I bullied you into making sure that we got 5,000 plus subscribers. And that we did. I sang at the beginning of this show, by the way, Heath. So, oh, uh, what'd you yeah, say? I just did like I shot the sheriff, but I can just be like, My Sherry Mo, lovely like a summer. See, I could do that. JJ thinks I don't have a voice. I have a voice, man. I just sometimes like to show it. J do you want to sing, Heath? Do you have a song for us or not? Uh, I don't have a song, uh, for sure and nobody wants to hear me sing but i guess if the next uh the next milestone whatever des norris our producer sets the milestone as i'll sing something for somebody i'll even sing uh like you know a request that they might have you know all right six thousand subscribers heath pierce okay. will sing for you if we get six thousand 
subscribers. <laughs> Des Norris. Better, people better share this with everyone. Share this. Des Norris. You better like this. You better comment. You better subscribe. Share it with everybody you know because we're going to get to 6,000. I'm gotta. i I'm, I'm going to need more of these reps so that I can go and pay for voice lessons to make sure I don't embarrass myself uh, at 6,000 subscribers. But I'm excited, man. Well, I just embarrass myself. Who cares, right? Well, Hollywood Heath, you better live up to your You're a performer, man. You're, <laughs> I, yeah, Hollywood Heath is because I live in I live in L.A. Uh, you're you're an actual performer. You're a stage performer. A stage performers <laughs> tend to be able to sing and dance and act. By the and way, your sister, forever. your sister can definitely help you during Thanksgiving or something. You never, you never yeah, know, I right? Would, yeah, the thing is, is I'm more of like I play the ukulele. My brother plays the drum, and my sister sings, and we just leave it oh. like that. We don't do the whole like we're not the master family where it's like, okay, my turn to on the microphone. It's like, no, she's the only one that sings. Uh, but I should be getting lessons from her. But she, uh, I'm I'm sure she'd charge me a pretty penny as well. Uh, yeah. So you know, Heath Pierce's sister, by the way, uh, Heath Pierce, uh, Broadway star. That's why we're we're talking about this, by the way. But anyway, thank you so much for helping us reach five thousand and counting. By the way. This is not the end of Kegolasso for this week. I know you, we have Thanksgiving tomorrow. It's the end for me. I'm taking a little break for the rest of the week, but you're in good hands. Heath Pierce right here is going to host our weekend preview. We're going to have some good guests, Jimmy Conrad, etc., and all the other good people. There's also a weekend recap as well coming up because there's still action this week. And then uh, I think Monday there'll be some other things going on. Hollywood uh, and Jimmy will do the USMNT hour, and I'll be back on Tuesday and then everything back to normal. So, you know, Kegolasso just keeps on rolling. So please make sure to follow Kegolasso wherever you get your pods. And it goes without saying you should subscribe to Kegolasso YouTube channel and hit that notification bell. By the way, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Please be kind to each other. Be thankful. I'm thankful for you, Heath Pierce. Uh, Heath, what are you thankful for? Uh, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, I'm thankful for the USMNT the US WNT. I'm thankful for uh, everybody here, all of the subscribers. By the way, if, if you're not part of the conversation, it's all happening on Twitter. Anytime you retweet what this show is going on, it helps reach more people. So I know sometimes it's hard within the YouTube platform, but if you find us, find it on, on, on uh, us sharing on Instagram, sharing on Twitter, it helps more people that are outside of this to bring them in to this wider family. And I'm thankful for everybody that engages with this stuff because it might not feel like it and it might not seem like it at times, but we see everything, we read everything, we we, we love it and, and it keeps all of this going and keeps us motivated to keep making it because this community is getting bigger as we head towards you know this explosion of growth of the game in the US uh, that we're trying to lead the way on with 2026 and all of that. So yeah, that's all the things. I, I, could, I could go on for hours of what I'm thankful for, but that that's it for now. I couldn't have said it better, my friend. Uh, thank you so much, HP. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, everybody. Make sure that you have an amazing Thanksgiving. I am thankful for you all. We are thankful for you all. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you next time. Until then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 